McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Bobby fans and welcome to PO Forecast episode 71. Well you guys are in lockdown but we're here to provide you guys with some amazing guests. Uh, joining me today on the show, um, co-hosting again is Andy Mitchamore. Andy, how are you? Hi Hugh, not too bad, thank you mate. Pretty much feeling the same as last week but a week more fed up. <laughs> there you go mate, keeping that positive spirit, that's what I like, that's what I like to hear. Starting on a high. That's it. Um, <laughs> And joining me and Andy on the show is Pompey CEO, Mark Catlin. Mark, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Yeah, Mark, I'm great, thank you. As I said, just trying to get used to this working from home malarkey, but it's all for the cause, isn't it? It is, yeah. Obviously, the you know we have to stick to the government advice as it stands at, at this moment. And I know we just joked off air before we come on that um, Zoom, you'd, you'd want to have shares in Zoom every, every minute of every day for me now I'm sat on those Zoom calls. <laughs> Yeah, I'm doing about four hours a day now, keeping up with clients and everyone. So um, it's a new world, but I'm um, just trying to embrace it. Um, Andy, do you want to yeah. start us now, mate, and get those get the questions underway? Yeah, sure thing. Um, firstly, Mark, how are you finding lockdown? What's what's your day to day life like at the moment? And how's you know being with the family twenty four seven and not getting out to the office like you normally would? Um, a, t- a typical day at the moment for me is I'm, I'm getting up probably earlier than normal, getting up at six o'clock, going for an hour, hour and a half walk. I haven't really done that for years and years and years, um, which is good because when you're picking and eating all day, I think if I didn't do any exercise, I'd be really ballooning out at the moment. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I come in, you know, get showered, have my breakfast tea and that, you know, done by eight o'clock. And then literally it is from pretty much eight o'clock till eight o'clock at night, um, Zoom call after Zoom call. And, it's just trying to get into that routine um, of, you know, trying to have like half an hour off, you know, just a bit of a break and have some lunch and, and obviously around five o'clock, six o'clock, stopping and, and having some dinner. But yeah, it's, it's pretty much full on. Um, obviously, the staff, a huge amount of them at the moment are not working and there's a, a core group of us and we're picking up lots of the jobs from the people that have been, you know, furloughed at the moment. Um but yeah, it just seems busier than normal, if I'm being honest. Nice. Um, do you know what? Let's go into starting talking about the football on the pitch, Mark, as you know, that's the bit that matters. And so we spoke about this time last year on the podcast, actually. It was prior to the Coventry game in the Chairman's Lounge. Um, and also we were able to do that in person of like this time when we're doing it uh, via Skype. Um, the club and the team were in a fairly similar position to where they were if we're playing now. So 
Um, automatic promotion will be in our own hands now. Um, so Rotherham and Oxford, we've got games against those two. How would you say the club's progressed in the last 12 months since we last spoke? Well, I think the, di- the difference there was that we'd obviously led the league for a huge part of last season. And then around, you know, from January onwards, really, it started to, our form spluttered. Um, and we didn't really, you know, get the job done. I think the difference this year is we we did the complete reverse. In we didn't start too great, but our form has been really good. Um, we've we've come into form just at the right time. So um, I think that that's a, a, a difference. How this current lockdown period and break, um, assuming that we can try and get the, the season finished, you know, affects that. I, I really don't know, but. I feel we have a lot stronger squad of our own players than what we did this time last year. And on and off the field, you know, I feel that we continue to progress. Do you think, Mark, that the uh, the sort of success of the January transfer window, so the likes of Steve Seddon coming in and being a sensation uh, on the left in the left back position, and Cameron McGeehan coming in and playing such a vital part in the midfield? Do you think that I suppose the success of this January transfer window has been? you know, part of the reason why we've been able to push on? Because I know last January was a little bit disappointing from a fan's perspective in the transfer window. Yeah, however, I was always keen to point out last year, the big difference to last year isn't necessarily the players that we brought in, and we have brought in some good players. It was the players that we lost last January um, where we didn't lose players this year. So last year, obviously, we had the injury to Jack Watmore. Um, We lost Ben. We lost Andre Green, we lost Wheeler. So because we'd been playing so well, a lot of the, I mean, Ben was playing so well, we got recalled and then, you know, enjoyed a successful spell back in the championship at Millwall. And players like Andre Green that were great players, because we were playing so well up to January, they wasn't getting game time. And both themselves as a player and their host club wanted to recall them. And then aligned with that, we had the injury to Jack as well. So I think last January, as I said, it wasn't so much about the players we brought in. It was about the players we lost. And, and that completely disrupted the spine of our squad. Mm. You've touched on there what um, sort of transfer windows and transfer deadlines. Um, I think most Pompey fans have managed to find the time to, to look at the season two of, of the Sunderland Till I Die documentary, which documented deadline evening that they signed Will Grigg. And to be honest, it looked like absolute panic stations behind closed doors there. Um, I know they needed to sign a striker. Um, sort of a two-part question. Have you, Firstly, do you find that sort of documentary interesting to look at how other clubs are being run in a way you might not normally see? Um, have you seen it? And can you reassure people that it isn't normally quite that hectic at Pompey? I mean, we're assuming it isn't because we don't throw <laughs> three million pound fees around for no, for no apparent yeah. reason. Uh, do, do I watch Sunderland Till I Die? So I've watched two episodes, and the, the two were the. <laughs> I no, which. I've watched the, yeah, the Czech final and the yeah. playoff where Portsmouth were involved. Yeah. Apart from that, you know, we run our club out. We run our club with the great respect to Sunderland. I don't really haven't got a lot of interest in how they run theirs. But in regard, I probably will watch it at some point. I'm not saying I won't, but I never really got around to watching the first series. And as I say, I only watched this series and the bit that Pompey were involved because. That's my priority. But the do, would it surprise me to see how crazy transfer deadline day is? No. However, I think that at Portsmouth, and we have had, don't get me wrong, in my period at the club, 
in my time in football, I've had crazy transfer deadline days. But I always think that's a poor show as a club that if you let yourself get to that stage, I think you've got to be better prepared than mm. that. Because if you get to that stage, you're really not holding any aces in your negotiations with the players, the other club or the agents. So you really don't want to get yourself to that um, time. But as I've always said during the windows, yeah, a lot of the clubs will say, look, we'll only let this player go if we get another one in. So you are consistently waiting, waiting. And then sometimes on that last day where you've got maybe four or five players lined up, they can all fall through. And then you're really just chasing one. And, and as I say, you're not holding a strong deck of hands to, to bargain with at that point. So um, it's fully understandable how a club like Sunderland get themselves to that. But it's something you want to try and avoid if possible. It sounds like a house chain buying, Mark. You know, you're waiting for everyone else to to do the one before yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, that's exa- exactly how it is. And at that point, it, it's out of your hands. Um, that's why you really want to do your work in the summer where you've got more time and, you know, to build yourself a squad. But as I say, we, that the January last year, not the January, just gone the January before, to a degree, we got ourselves in a little bit of that state because of, the injury to Jack, losing Ben Thompson, losing Andre Green, Wheeler, you know, there was a few others that went during that window and that were unexpected. We, we thought that was going to be our squad for the season. And unfortunately, through injury and recalls, that it just how it panned out. And then, then you're in that horrible situation where you're just caught up in the whirlpool of, of the craziness of a January transfer window, which is not really where you want to be. Mm. So the last... The last couple at Pompey have been a bit calmer then. Well, this, this yeah, I mean, I thought summer we did okay and we strengthened mm. correctly during January with some good additions. And I mean, from just, and that was only a couple of months ago, it seems an age ago. But I mean, there was a, a panic of bringing in players on the deadline day itself. You know, we did our business quite early and got players in, um, the ones that we were after. And we did a lot of the work pre-January because we knew where we had to strengthen, where, as I say, that season before with January, it was just sort of all thrown on us during January. Mm. We had very little time to react. Okay. That's interesting. Um, yeah. You, you can probably guess the topic that the majority of questions that have been sent into us have sort of revolved around. There's sort of one big thing going on at the moment. Um, if we completely discount your professional interest at Pompey, and yeah, the, your actual job as as a West Ham fan and a fan of football in general, what would be your choice of how to end a season? So, would you rather complete it all, complete at all costs, and then push next season back and have a smaller close season in a year and a bit's time, or would you rather do it on points per game or write it off? Or what what would be your ideal? So, if if you're saying my ideal with no complications whatsoever. Yeah. Discounting, discounting if, if you're just asking my preferred, you've got to finish the season. Plain and simple. If there's yeah. take everything out of the equation, we we started the season, we want to finish it. You know, I mean it's that simple. Whether you can or not via the complications, then you're that's a different question. But the question you're asking me is given, you know, if there is no problems or knock on effect, would you want do you want to finish this season? Yeah, of course I want to finish this season. What about if it has a knock-on onto next season, Mark? Is is the priority still going to be to to finish this season, even if it means that next season's going to you know start late or potentially be shortened? Well, that, that that's another question. If it's just about next season and that and 
so if you, you're sort of like um, cascading down with questions here, yeah. So the next one is, so you're saying, do you want to finish your season? Yes. Do you want to finish your season, even if it means adapting next season? I'm still a yes on that. Now, do you want to finish the season where you're getting into um, real legal complications with players, agents, PFA, clubs haven't got the ability to bring season ticket money season, um, potentially lose TV money for this season, you know, huge amounts of money, then that's another question. And as I say, I think you, for me, that gives us until the end of July. But if it goes beyond that, for the reasons I've just said then, I think it becomes very, very difficult. And maybe my position changes at that point. Um, I think you mentioned recently, Mark, um, that I follow as that potential to ease some of the financial losses. Um, yeah, I think um, I was a bit not not annoyed with Neil Whelan because I think the world of him actually. Um, mm. But it, it, it was a slightly misleading um, headline in in that that you know I, I gave an interview about I follow. I follow will be great. If, if let's make an assumption that the last four home games, by the way. I'll play behind closed doors. I follow one will be great to enable fans to see it. Obviously not as good as being there, but at least they can hopefully watch the game should we be allowed to stream those games. Um, and But from a financial point of view, it doesn't cover the losses. But what it does, it still costs you to put a match on, taking out all the salaries and the fixed costs. So actually put, put a match on at Fratton Park is still quite an expensive day out. What it will enable us to do is actually cover those match day costs yeah sure yeah no that yeah that, obviously you've got to do that the losses. yeah the losses of match days with no fans are huge hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds at fratton park every game we're losing that money but what i follow will enable us to do is one you know give a service to the fans so hopefully they can see an end to this season and to go some way to cover the match day costs of putting that game on with fans or not yeah, no, that's understandable because it's not just about it's lost revenue, isn't it? As well as the fact of just yeah. covering simple costs. Um, it's quite interesting. I'm just batting ideas around here, but Ipswich actually announced that season ticket holders will be given access to a live video stream of games. Uh, they'll be given yeah. a complimentary ticket to a home cup match and a pair of tickets to the next available home league game or friendly. Um, quite a few fans got in touch to ask what sort of options are being discussed at Pompey or is this something you're not really considering until you know you've got more information and a precise timeline really to work with yeah I mean to, just to um, clarify I haven't seen that by Ipswich actually but all of the above that Ipswich have announced we are considering you know um, like next season right away from you know you got I mean that you've got the spectrum haven't you you've got the spectrum of doing nothing you know obviously in saying but we're really sorry you couldn't put the games on, um, you know. But season two holders get, I think, six or seven games free, arguably, anyway. So you've got arguments to that one extreme. And that's not, by the way, what we're going to do. But I'm just saying, you've got that extremity of we don't need to do anything to the other extremity of we should offer a full refund. And then you've got multiple options in between that. So the the what Ipswich have announced is one of, a lot of different options and different scenarios that we are looking at but obviously we are not in a position to come out and say what we're going to do at the moment because one we don't know if games are going to be played behind closed doors or fans technically could still be allowed no final decision has been taken on that 
I'm assuming they won't, but you know, there is still that possibility. The the season could be voided. So, you know, all what Ipswich have suggested there really, you know, is it's not relevant at this moment. So there's there's too many different variables for us at this moment in time to come out and say definitively what we are going to be doing. Again, you've got another scenario. You could we could restart then the government, you know, there's a second spike and then there's a lockdown again. So there's too many variables at the moment for us to come out and say what we're going to be doing. We have our ideas and plans and they include all of the above, but you know, to come out and actually definitively say that we're not in a position to do at the moment. No, I understand. Well, I think fans just are reassured to know that those sort of options are sort of on the table and being considered, really, because this is a completely unprecedented time, as we know, and, you know, the situation sort of fluid and changing as it goes along. Um, we just know, just about I follow. Have you, have you sort of looked into the fact that it could be a little bit temperamental? And I know this the this season. I think it's it's fair to say that it's been really you know improved as such. You know the quality's been improved, um, but it probably plays a huge strain, wouldn't it, on the viewing, sort of the streaming? If we get sort of eighteen thousand Pompey fans trying to log in at the same time, is is it being discussed with I follow how they'll deal with that bandwidth? Or is that just something that's really easily solved from them? Yeah, no, that that has all been discussed. Um, myself and Anna Mitchell, the, the chief commercial officer here, you know, we have had numerous assurances from um, the iFollow team at the EFL that should a decision be taken to, you know, stream all the games live and, and open that up to our, our fan base, that you know, that their 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 supplier, um, who's a company that specialises in it. Have, have been given assurances that they can have that many simultaneous simultaneous streams um, to fulfil what we we know it has to be a good quality. And, and you're right, I've watched a few of the games back, you know, via iFollow this year. So, like, basically, have seen after the event what our supporters experienced exactly the same. And and it was quite good at times, especially at Fratton Park this year. It was very very good. I'm, I think I missed one game this season. Um, where I actually watched the game on iFollow, and I was really impressed. No, I think that this really improved, Mark. Definitely, the experience has improved, the cameras, yeah. and, and also the commentary. I think, and the, and the replays is, is definitely something to shout about. Um, you know, especially some fans that listen to the podcast here overseas. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, as I say, I, I, I was very impressed. Obviously, it's not going to be to, to, to achieve Sky quality. Cost hundreds of thousands of pounds per game. So you, you're never going to get to that that level that fans have come to expect from Sky. But as I say, with the multiple camera angles, you know, the on-screen display with the um, the score and the, and the clock and, and replays, I think it was pretty good. And as you say, the commentary was good as well. <clears throat> um, recent, well, relatively recently, uh, Pompey released a, a financial statement for the year, and that showed that the club is in a genuinely quite a strong position, especially if you compare Pompey to some of the clubs around us in League One, um, which I think at this current point, everyone is now particularly grateful for. Um, how are things looking with the current climate and what sort of time frame without match day income is the club financially prepared to cope with before you'd start to have any concerns? So just do I have concerns for the future of the club? So I just want to address that. Um, you know, if if it goes to a point where I have concerns for the future of the club, then we'll probably be one of the last clubs standing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Given where we are as a club and, and with Michael Eisner as our owner. So I don't have any immediate or midterm 
concerns for the future of the football club, but I do have concerns over um, the finances of the football club. Um, you know, bearing in mind of our model of always trying to stand alone and not relying on Michael's money, other than to fulfil, you know, what were his his obligations as part of the deal to to with Fratton Park, the stadium. So. Um, yep, it was great set of financial results up to end of June 2019. After that, though, we did buy some players, so that, that immediately ate into um, those profits, and they're aligned with the current loss of revenue just for these four home games, which for a club like Portsmouth, because of our reliance on the gate receipts, um, you know, are probably going to affect us more than most in League One. Yes, it's a severe financial hit as a percentage of our overall take and the longer next year that goes on without being able to sell season tickets or based on reduced season tickets because no one knows what the season is going to look like or playing a, a huge part of next year behind closed doors will definitely definitely impact the club and you could be looking at you know big losses um, as will every other business and every other mm. football club so we're not immune to that we, we're trying to do our best we're trying to, you know, not turn to Michael at this moment in time and function as an independent business, um, which we have argued that every club should function that way. And, and I do think as a result of, you know, this current pandemic, that the fallout will be, there will be a more of a reliance on clubs to function, you know, in a, in a neutral profit and loss situation like every other business and not be reliant on a rich owner because a lot of the, you know, wealthy owners have lost a lot of appetite to keep funding the losses that were already there. And then if you add this into it and, and their own business is suffering as well, it's just been horrific for a lot of them, you know. And mm. um, I think there's a, a, a complete shift now to Pompey's way of thinking as we've thought, you, you know, worked for really for the last seven, eight years since we came out of admin of clubs being able to stand on their own two feet and then that finding their natural order in the football pyramid based on their commercial revenue, ability to control costs, fan base, you know, development of the brand, you know, the revenue you can get from that. So that that's pretty much where we are. Um, did it affect it for the first month or two with the money that's been advanced by the EFL you know, the government's furlough program, um, the holiday from rates, you know, these first two months from a cash flow point of view, not not really that much of an issue. But from a P&L point of view and moving forward, yeah, yeah, it's really a concern. It concerns me, not the concern for the future of the football club, but it does concern me that, you know, we are looking at potential huge losses, financial losses this year. Um, as I say, along with every other football club and pretty much every other business out there. Do you think that this is something that um, there's already quite a large gap if you're looking at, I mean, transfer fees, for example, between the Premier League and then the Championship, and then there's a, a big disparity between the Championship and League One, League Two. Do you think that this situation could potentially exacerbate that a bit? Because the big clubs, like the really big clubs, aren't going to be struggling to the same extent as potentially some lower end championship league one league two so i'd imagine that that's going to have an impact on on transfer fees in league one league two yeah do you think that'll lead to a bigger difference between like a bigger financial gap i guess between the top two leagues and the bottom two leagues no i think it will lead to a bigger gap between the premiership 
and okay. the bottom three leagues. So I don't think it'll be two and two. I think it'll be one and three because I think that there are serious discussions now going on at last in the championship to say that, you know, the average £20 million per year loss per club just can't continue. Mm. And, th- and this is really going to compound those problems. And a, a lot of the owners in that league that were quite happy to fund losses of that magnitude, that they are losing the appetite, you know. Um, and as I say, very quickly in his current climate, you, your £20 million a year loss is going to go to a £25, £30 million a year loss. And then added to that, the owners that are funding those losses are going to be suffering losses in their own businesses. So it's it's a very precarious situation in the championship. So I think the realignment will be if there's any good to come out of this and hopefully like all the clubs will get through it. But I think that, you know, there has been a real focus of the long term now future of football, which we've been arguing, you know, for years and years and years under fan ownership and under Michael, because he liked the model that we that he bought into it. That was the reason he bought the club because of how well we were running it from a financial perspective. So I think that the alignment will be more for the championship league one, league two and the premiership are sort of a little bit. I mean, the losses in the chat in the, in the premiership, you know, a lot of clubs make profits there. The TV deals are huge. The transfer fees in and out are huge. So I think that's become its own separate micro business. Um, with a different sort of economic environment, really, to the other three leagues. Hence why the championship clubs have spent so much to try and get in, you know, in inverted commas, the promised land. But I think there's a realisation that they need to really come back down to earth a little bit. And and this has really brought it home. So just moving back onto the playing side a little bit, uh, touching on the academy, uh, this season we saw Brad Lethbridge uh, released and the season before uh, Dan Smith, um, both promising strikers who I actually went to watch quite a lot um, at Bogner um, and we had them both on the podcast as well. Both great lads, as I'm sure you know that as well. Um, we now got the next b- a bunch of lads coming through with, you know, in my opinion anyway, Alfie Stanley headlining the striking options for a pro yeah. deal. Um, are you hopeful of signing Alfie? Um, and what can the club do to retain academy graduates that the club's invested so much time and work in? Yeah, I mean, I think, that, well, it, if, if there's an academy player that the club want to keep, we keep them. You know, it's not like the other clubs are in and we just roll over and let them go. It, that's that's simply not the case. Um, the, the case with, with Bradley, um, as an example, I like Bradley. You know, I've watched him grow up. You know, I think he's a very good talent. But ultimately, these are football, not financial decisions. And the manager at the time, along with the academy manager and, you know, others within the academy and the first team, have to really sit around and make a decision whether they can see that player in the next four or five years being um, our striker in the case of Bradley. And if if it's a no and you can't, then you have to let him go and fulfil his ambitions anywhere. So it's not a financial decision. It literally is a football decision of Kenny, Joe, Mark Kelly, you know, Sean O'Driscoll. Everyone has an input of whether they think this particular player can go all the way. And bearing in mind our aspirations are for the championship as a minimum during that four-year period, then you've got to be sure that he's got to be of at least of that ability. So these are... And, and listen, I'm not... Hopefully Bradley's listening to this. Bradley could go away. It happens so many times at different clubs where they are released, go 
start off in non-league and then five years later come back to bite you because they're playing in the championship or the premiership and scoring loads of goals. So yeah. it's not an exact science, but it's not taken on financial. It's not a financial decision. Far from it. You know, first year pro contracts, are, you know, are not that they're not really they're, they're quite insignificant in the scheme of things financially but you've yeah. got to be fair to the lad and let him go and fulfill his ambitions anywhere if he's not part of the next year or two's planning at the club or the manager and, and the academy manager and, and the people involved in the process don't can't see him playing at that level and they can be wrong you know but that's that's the decision they have to take it's not fair to start stockpiling players that are never going to play for you but is it about stockpiling players? I suppose it could be said the other way around that, um, say, Bradley, as an example, has that ability. And we're saying, you're saying about having championship potential. But, you know, if if we think there's a club that you can go on to play League Two, potentially League One football and, and get a feedback, I suppose, for him, um, is it a case of not thinking about it from a financial point of view and gaining revenue through selling yeah. players and, and looking at him from a purely what's a really nice personal approach i suppose to making sure these guys go on yeah i mean you say that but you know when you're if you're a championship club and you're releasing a young lad 19 20 whatever to league one league two there's not many people that will pay a lot of money at that level for for young players it just doesn't probably only a couple of clubs that you know are paying transfer fees even these days in league one league two so i, I don't you know i don't think that the right way to look at it just purely from a financial point of view as i say it's you've got to be fair to the individual player that at that moment in time you can't see them in the next couple of years breaking through into our first team and to to hold on to them on the hope that that they might be worth money i, I, don't, I don't think it's fair on the lad and and they can get very disinterested as well if they don't see themselves as being part of that plan and you know and this is where cl- um, players do go to the non-league and then suddenly start finding their feet and coming good. But if you keep them at the, the, the host club in the championship, as an example, they'd probably never get to that level. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a difficult situation. And, you know, I know in the case of Bradley, he's a great lad and he just wants to play football. And if you can't guarantee them that at the club, it, it's a really difficult conversation to have. So you have to be fair to the lad. I mean, it's different if... You know, and again, it's all about opinions. If Kenny says, this lad's got it all, I think he can go all the way. He's more or less, you know, if you look at Hadji, the other example, Mm. yeah? Yeah, like, I know that Kenny said to me loads of times, he said publicly, he said to Hadji, that, you know, you get an injury to him. Like, Hadji's there. Hadji, he feels, could step in there. He's not that far away from making his breakthrough into our first team. Um, Yeah. What is he now, 17? And he's so young, isn't he, Mark, as well? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So it's a combination. As I say, it's not a financial decision. It really is a a football based decision that, you know, has to be right for the club and and based and right for for the player himself. Okay, that's great to hear. Yeah. Um, Sort of jumping around a little bit now with the questions. Um, We've seen work starting on the North Stand renovation, seen pictures of that flying around. uh, On social media and some plans for uh, the Milton end work as well. And uh, what's the current time frame if we were sort of discounting the current um, COVID-19 things? If we, um, what's the current time frame for the Milton End? I know that's a fairly large thing to discount, to be fair, but um, what's the plan for the Milton <laughs> yeah, End time frame? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there isn't a, a set 
time frame, um, as we said going into this, as it is a shame because I felt like we were actually getting somewhere with the local authority and network row, and you know mm. people were coming together, the meetings were ramping up, and you know I think there was an acceptance. Yeah, look, let's work together to um, you know enable this the routes, the easy access into Fratton Park that unlocks the larger scale projects there. Um, so. I can't put a time frame on it. All I can tell you is that we are, you know, our preferred option has always been to stay at Fratton Park, but it's, we don't want to arrive at a situation where we start spending tens, if not hundreds of millions in what we want to do at Fratton Park and the surrounding areas and increasing capacity only for, you know, the local council and the, and the advisor, various advisory groups to say, if you don't improve this road work, road network and if you don't improve this transport network in regards of the trains and access in, we're going to cut your capacity. And they have got the authority to do that. So mm. we don't want to be at the mercy of that. We, we don't mind things that are in our control. So we want to address that before we start, you know, finally addressing what needs to be done at the Fratton Park Stadium. It, it's the logical way of doing it. You wouldn't you wouldn't build a housing estate in the middle of a field if there was no road and train access because no one's ever going to come and buy the houses or come and, you know, visit. So you've got to get the infrastructure in first before you actually start building the houses. And to get that infrastructure in, all we're saying is, look, we can't fund this all ourselves. It's ridiculous because we are raising the profile of the whole area. You need to really need to join us and, and think with us and we'll give commitments on what we're going to do to Fratton Park. But in, before that, you know, in what's going on in your land, in your problem, improving your services, we think that you should be contributing towards that. And, and that's where our, where our current position is. Mm. So those talks you mentioned with local bodies and network rail, just so people know whether to expect an update in the next six months or whether it's, you know, a much longer term thing. Are those talks continuing at the moment as one of your many Zoom calls or have they just been put on hold until you've got more of an idea what the world's going to look like no, and what the no. financial situation's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, talks are going on, but not at the same level they were pre-COVID-19. Yeah. OK. I mean, you yeah. know, other, other companies' staff being furloughed, you know, they've got their own priorities at the moment. Yeah. And I think financially, every business, not I'm not saying Portsmouth here, but the, even the local council is, is inverted commas, its own business has to manage its finances. No one knows what the finances are going to look like the other side of this so where maybe you know i'm not saying it was but maybe there was some thought around assisting financially in doing x y and z project you know is that is that money still going to be available mm. post covid19 i just don't know and it's out of my hands it's out of the club's hands so again i don't like to comment on things that we haven't got any direct control over no, and what is moving at the same rate at the moment, Mark? Let's be honest. Everything is everything slowed down. Even if everyone is at work, I think um, from a work perspective, and um, you know, I, I actually do some work with councils, and I know they can be a little bit slow to react anyway. So if things are slowed down with the council, I'm guessing they've gone to a, an even slower level than than usual in business. Um, yeah. So anyway, just quickly, we've been sent in a quite a few questions, but we'll just take a few of them um, and just work through them. Um, Gabriel Sutton messaged in. Thanks, Gabe. Uh, he writes for the Football Lab and he's on D3D4 Football Podcast. If you guys are interested, he asked how often uh, you've been in touch with, with Kenny Jacket, how often you are in touch with them, and whether you talk about on field matters in detail or whether you distance yourself from that and only discuss the business side of things. So, you know, the separation of those roles. 
Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> How often do I speak to Kenny? I mean, it can vary. We can go, I suppose, a maximum of three days not talking, but we tend to talk every day or so. Um, you know, especially because Kenny's quite interested in the business side of the business and what's going on in the wider footballing world in regards of transfer windows and, you know, talks around potential salary caps, you know, and, you know, the finances at other clubs. So Kenny, Kenny's very articulate and likes to learn about the business of football as well as what goes on the field. Um, do we get into discussions? Yeah, Kenny tells me what his current thoughts are he always asks me for an opinion which i give him um do we does he take that on board not sure really (laughs) (laughs) probably not which is probably good um so you know like every other supporter out there you know i think kenny takes it all on board he is a bit of a sponge but you know when he's ringing out that sponge does he use it you know that that's for him to make that decision because ultimately as a manager he's he he lives and dies by his results, so it's only mm. right that he has those decisions. But I think it's only right as a chief exec or as a supporter or as any level in between. You know that you do. He does listen to opinions. Um, you know he's um, very good. He he comes back sometimes if I if I say you know could that player play there or why isn't that player playing in that position? Then he always gives me a really good and valid response. And you know so. But ideally, I just try and let him get on and make his decisions because I think sometimes if you get too much input going in you lose who you really are and you know we've, we've got Kenny Jacket as manager for Kenny Jacket and we just want him to to do what he does best no I think that's nice I think it's good to, to have that communication and just be able to know you know who's doing the who's doing what and just having a bit of synergy together I think it's important for for Kenny to understand the business side of things as well and obviously you can you can guide him on that Andy do you want to take the next question yeah go for it um the Fleetwood Town owner chairman Andy Pilly came up with a, an interesting idea of and that's that's interesting in inverted commas of regionalizing League One and League Two and he specifically stated he's not a big fan of Tuesday evenings at Fratton Park. I can't think why. Um, what are your opinions on this sort of idea? <laughs> oh, right. This is my opinion. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying this is like Portsmouth um, company policy. Um, obviously, I'm not, not a discussion I've had really with the owners or the fans in how they think, because that's important, because ultimately we do, um, you know, represent the fans. So it, I'd have to speak to the Tony Goodall fans conference and, and whatever. But I do... Personally, I'm against regionalisation. Um, I think you could end up at a point. I mean, I get the travelling, I get the more local derbies, probably the revenue might even be better. But if you looked at League One, League Two, sort of all put into a pot and mixed into a Southern League and a Northern League, um, the promotion into the um, championship would sort of be diminished because they're only ever going to allow three up, three down. So you're effectively at this moment in time where you're doing three up into the championship from 24, you're going to be doing three up from 48. Mm. So I think it would be a lot more difficult to get out of regionalised leagues. I mean, I'm assuming it would be the winner of the Southern League and the winner of the Northern League would go up automatically. And then who finished second and third in the Northern League, finished second and third in the Southern League, would be in the playoffs for that final slot. Um, So I think it would sort of, you know, dilute your chances of getting into the championship, which I wouldn't be in favour of. However, I can see the upside of, you know, us just being in a league with 
like you know Oxford, Wimbledon, Bristol Rovers, I'm assuming Plymouth, you know, a, and a mix of leagues in the south where you just got more derbies and less travelling. So as I say, it's, I'm not really giving it a lot of thought. I think it's it's one of those that you should be out there and discussed. You know, discussion's good and healthy, but it's not saying I've taken a real final decision. But my gut instinct is that it limits you know, your chances of actually getting into the championship. Listen, hopefully by the time they make that decision, we're already in the championship. But, you know, I, I, on the face of it, I'm sort of leaning towards being against it. Sounds like they are ready. Sounds like Fleetwood are ready to settle in the in League One, League Two to me there, Mark. <laughs> I, think, I think most people agree with that. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, that's the thing. It, it, that, that it's not like we're not settled in League One, obviously. If you then throw in... You know, a team in League Two at the moment, it just could go on a great run of, of form. And it, you just, where we're, as I say, we're three of 24 at the moment get promoted. It's going to be three of 48, isn't it? You know, I just think it lessens your chances of getting in the championship, which is our ultimate priority. I suppose the counter argument is that, you know, we should back ourselves to get out of these two leagues anyway. But, you know, it just, there's where there's a wider pot, you know, it only needs a few injuries, a few, um, refereeing decisions to go against you whatever or another club go on a crazy run and that happens sometimes out out of your hands um but no so i on that i would like to stick to the current structure but i could see the rationale why others wouldn't sure um huge i'll take the final the final question then what are you getting with your day mark uh thank you <laughs> yeah no awesome um Mark Nightingale is just wondering if there's a player that, that you wish you signed for, or joined the club, but a deal couldn't quite happen for any reason. Um, and finally, just the last thing is you were heard testing some new speakers at Fratton Park. Um, they sounded great. Are they new? Um, and what's the thought behind that? Right. So two questions there. Um, one, a player that, I mean, it's been widely reported, so I don't think I'm speaking out of term, that I think would have made a huge difference to us last year. We, we, we wouldn't have got him on a permanent, but I still think he was that good a player that would have made a, a big difference to our promotion push was Sean Longstaff. Um, I think, yeah. you know, he, he, he was a great lad. He was a great talent. I think he's what we lacked a little bit last year in, in that midfielder that could drive forward, drive in the box and, you know, get goals as well. So, yeah, Sean Longstaff off the top of my head would be one. Um, and in regards to the speakers being tested in the North Stand, that's because the, the North Stand's being effectively stripped back just to the bare bones in regards of, you know, the roof's coming off, the whole of the cladding at the back's all coming off, the sides are coming off, um, all the beams are being stripped down. So we were doing some testing. Uh, we took the opportunity to do some testing on the sound system to see if that needed work. Um, because whilst we're up there and the scaffolding's up, obviously that was a decision like would have made sense to have done that work at the time. Great. Okay, that's that's all so we've great. got, Mark. Yeah, yeah thank you very much yeah. for your time. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right, yeah, listen, but... just finally to everyone out there, you know, um, just primarily stay safe, listen to government advice. You know, we will get through this. Um, it's unfortunate. It's every day now that passes by, I do get an email from a member of our Pompey family that has passed away and it is shocking. And I know football's important, but, you know, people are dying out there and, you know, my thoughts and best wishes and those on behalf of the club and our board of directors go out to all of our fans and just stay safe, you know, just get us through this and, and then we can start looking forward to football. 
it's a case of just getting head down and then we're saying the first day back at Fratton when this is all over, even if it's in eight, 12 months time, the, the queue outside the rifle and it's going to be a hell of an yeah. atmosphere. So just, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. getting your head and, down and getting yeah. through to that, isn't it? And I, and I, yeah. And something I'm already thinking of is when we do finally all come back as the Pompey family and, you know, fans are allowed back in the stadium. We, we need to do something to, you know, remember those that have passed during, you know, this terrible yeah. period. Yeah, absolutely. 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 So love to everyone. Absolutely. We completely echo that as well. Mark, get on with your day. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's really appreciated. Cheers, Mark. Thank you. All right. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Thanks. Bye. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle!